Hello and welcome back to the Create Me podcast. Yeah, and following on from our series of specials in partnership with the Applied Arts Scotland team, we're kind of continuing the conversation around the distance project. Today, my guests are Auburn Stewart, Neela Kalra, and Chris Donnelly. I um, had a really kind of cool chat with them about you know their motivations to get involved with the distance project, but also how the projects kind of influenced them in different and various ways. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I'll catch up with you at the end as usual. All right, see you soon. So hello and yeah, welcome back to the Create Me podcast. And as I said before in this intro, you know, this series of really special and interesting um, discussions with participants who took part in the distance project in connection with Applied Arts Scotland. And yeah, um, I guess, yeah, I've run through my guests on my screen just now. And just kind of disclaimer for everyone, we're all recording from our small spaces either at home or in like our studios. I'm guessing that everyone's at home, are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good, brilliant. So um, my first guest um, is Auburn Stewart. How are you doing, Auburn? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good, all good. And Chris? Hi. Hi, hi, Chris. And Neela, how are you doing? I'm fine, thank you very much. I'm a little bit nervous, but it's all right. <laughs> it's all good, it's all good. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, reflecting on the um, Distance Project, how did you all become involved in this project? Well, there was an application process and call out through Applied Art Scotland. I'm a member and I'm presuming you guys are members as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. yeah, there was a call out and I just thought that looks a bit bonkers. Um, I don't know if I could do it. I'm a bit of a technophobe, <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to do it. <laughs> okay. Okay. And um, for yourself, um, Chris and Neela. Uh, yeah, I kind of... Uh... Uh, same as Aubin, I applied, uh, just seeing it through their newsletter or Instagram feed or something like that. And I saw a previous participant's work, Maya, who was doing some really strange stuff with uh, um, Gravity Sketch and stuff like that. So I kind of anteed in without really knowing what the script was, but mm-hmm. thought it was really exciting. Yeah. And for yourself, Nina? Well, I'm a member of another group called Augmented Fashion, and um, Steve is also a member of that group, and he rather encouraged me to apply. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's how I came in. I've always been fascinated with, about this new world. I know nothing about it, and I'm, I think, worse than a technophobe. I'm probably a luddite. That's the word, luddite. <laughs> You know, I'm sure it's not true. I think as well, like when I think about new technology, I think in terms actually, because is it like, was it Oculus technology you guys were using? Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I'm still a bit kind of clueless about that. So for the listeners, could someone want to volunteer and give us a bit of a rundown about the kind of technology you were using for this project? Uh, Yeah, it was uh, Oculus Quest 2. And and, uh, I'd never used... uh, I'd had a headset on before through uh, colleagues in our studio building, but um, never kind of had the chance to really get uh, deeper into it. I just mm-hmm. played games on it on an open house day or whatever. And uh, but the the Oculus thing was um, is very slick. 
it, it's very set up for, hey, this is your first time, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that I, I really appreciated. It gave me confidence to explore different areas of it. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say it's completely wireless as well, which cause okay. I've, I've tried one before, just a gaming one. And there was a few wires still attached to it. So this one felt quite freeing because you just pop it on, you you know, you and there's two controllers as well. So okay. you just put on the head that physical headset, um, bring it down just like a visor, and um, and then you pop your hands in the sort of controllers and then you're away, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's kind of it feels very easy to kind of just, you know, go go for it. Yeah. Um, it's really quite simple for somebody who's not a gamer at all or, mm-hmm. or anything like that. I find it quite intuitive to kind of just navigate around quite easily. Okay. And I guess like um, what were the spaces like, the virtual kind of spaces? What was kind of involved in with the virtual spaces? Well, they're just like open, like some of the spaces are kind of like a sort of generic setup, you know, so when almost like when you enter, is that when you enter the main area, it's almost like a kind of Moroccan cave um, wow. you know, with like poofies on the floor and tables and it's open. So, you know, some of the kind of almost like landing places are sort of familiar, you know, to you, to your imagination. And then yeah. some of the spaces that when you're actually in Gravity Sketch, which was the tool that we mainly used, you could make that space like a big studio or you could make it just like a completely blank, like, space which was kind of weird because then you're just sort of there's no reference point mm-hmm. and so you could end up make like I did this where I made like you know things that were like the size of a house and the only reason I knew that I'd made it the size of a house was because I went to stick a mannequin in and it was tiny next to it you know <laughs> right. so like you can totally lose your frame of reference in there quite easily yeah and and Neela how did you find using this um technology Fascinating, really. I think we were all very fortunate in that Chris had downloaded or uploaded um, various programs for us, and so um, we had we had areas within which we could practice or go to, and um, there was very very good tutorials. He set up really good instructions for us, and there were also good tutorials within the particular apps so if you got lost somebody would start talking at you and uh, kind of help you along a bit and so it wasn't a lonely place at all you felt kind you know notwithstanding as Arvin has quite rightly said at points you know at times it was it was out reference it still felt um you still felt uh supported I think Mm -hmm. um both physically, you know, by others, and within the space, I found it quite a comforting space, really. And you know, where was the physical space that you guys got to use this technology? Just anyway. at home, yeah. yeah. Oh, just at home. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. we were each sent a, a kit, if you like, mm-hmm. um, to our homes. So that was kind of the beauty of the project: is that anybody, because we're all over Scotland. Mm-hmm. um you know so we're all in different places so none of us have ever met um in real life you know okay. so we've only ever talked through like this format or through vr which is kind of weird but it doesn't feel <laughs> weird it just feels like the way of it now 
Yeah, and I guess it's kind of like, I don't know if you're even reflecting to like, I guess is that the um, this project kind of started at 2020 and 2021 and at the kind of height of like the kind of pandemic. And I guess for everyone, a lot of our kind of practices have changed. Like before me podcasting, it would be physically in space in the studio. And now everything, literally my whole life socializing has been the past two years has been online. How did you guys kind of find that like new kind of, was you kind of at that point, would you kind of like, oh, well, I'm used to Zoom. Microsoft team meetings, this is just a new addition or a new experience? Well, I think um, because a lot of us, well, us us three are kind of analog craftspeople, um, and uh, Alban and Neela work on their own, and I couldn't have anybody in my studio to teach. Um, it, it was like... Uh, I had never done a Zoom meeting until the lockdown. Okay. So, so this whole kind of digital communication and stuff, um, uh, it it really kind of started for me with this project. Yeah, no, it sounds you know it sounds interesting. I think like um, in my kind of mind, obviously, still getting used to like I never heard of Zoom until like 2020, like early, like mid 2020. And then, you know, it's kind of just been almost like a way of life. And I guess like um, for yourselves, how's that kind of compared like within like the physical kind of work and then the physical kind of collaboration? I guess, you know, you've been able to kind of connect and collaborate online. And what are the kind of differences for you guys um, moving forward? Do you think like, oh, this has kind of influenced my practice in a different way? Well, I live very remotely in any event because I stay in Shetland. So mm-hmm. I was, I'm kind of used to long distance collaborations, I suppose. Um, but um, I, I, I thought for me, at least it was really quite a natural extension. Mm-hmm. I didn't really think about the separation between us. I didn't find us in any way separated by space or time. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was a really nice way to connect and easy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think because all of this was really, really new, uh, all of the VR stuff is like, it was completely bonkers. It just opened up and it was like, what? I can do that or mm-hmm. whatever. So this kind of um, digital uh, communication with each other and the, the team and the support, like Steve Comer and and Lynn, it, it was all just okay. That's what it. That's what you do now. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone was quite honest as well about kind of going. Ah, I can't get this to work, you know, or because we were all starting. Well, one of the participants I think had done it before Maya. Um, but we're all kind of on this level playing field of absolutely knowing nothing about VR or how to use the the app Gravity Sketch. So it was kind of, you know, it it helped you not feel, you know, kind of like that you were starting on the bottom and everyone else was ahead of you. You kind of felt like yeah. you were an even keel. So you think it's like, obviously, for, you, for yourselves, just reflecting on your own individual kind of practice, you think there are ways you can kind of take this forward in terms of actually your own practices? I, I feel myself that, that, um, that there's a direct correlation in the way that I I work 
within my own practice. And with this, um, I, I think for one thing, um, that for me at least, I think that originality is really, really crucially important um, mm. in my practice. And being able to combine, say, this work of designing in this VR field and combining that with my own practice is a way to be even, it allows even more originality because you can bring concepts or ideas into the VR and they change, they're manipulated. You think differently when you're in there. And it's really quite exciting to find these new ways of thinking. And even though you're work, I mean, you are to an extent still very much working with your hands, um, more so than, say, a Zoom call would be. You're still you're interacting with this space. And I think that it just really, really helped me think of really new ways of, of, um, of moving forward, this interaction mm-hmm. between that world and, you know, all of our worlds, the worlds that we go about. And I, I think it's a natural extension. And for me, I feel that it will be, once I get better at it, because I'm not very good at it at all. Um, but I think that it's a way, it certainly is a way forward. And what about yourself, Auburn? I don't know. I'm kind of on the fence. Like, I feel like there's certain parts of the project where I've been kind of like, yes, I'm so doing this, Um, you know, and I can see a clear path of, you know, where I could create things in VR and then use them to create objects in 3D that I could then incorporate into, you know, my making practice. But now I've kind of just been playing with it more as a kind of just like a, a digital sketchbook or not, you know, a sketchbook where I'm just in there and I'm playing. And I feel that by removing, like we had to set out like lots of like, you know, um, you know, like objectives for ourselves. And I feel like I've met like none of mine, but I don't really care so much because I kind of feel like that, I think the objectives were just there to kind of force you to think about what you might want to achieve. But I think like a lot of us felt like, oh, we, you know, we're just getting to know this technology. So it's really hard to set yourself goals because you're getting, it would be like me trying or any of us learning, you know, like me going back to learning how to make jewelry again. I can't design a collection only having just learned how to make something really simple. I have to like learn all the skills first before I can like, you know, embrace all of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like I've kind of went back a few steps and now I'm thinking I just want to play with it and see what I can do in there and then decide if I can, you know, use it in my practice. But I, yeah. I'm not sure if it even matters if I do, but if I kept using it as a digital sort of like sketchbook, then it would undoubtedly affect what I was making in real mm-hmm. life because those ideas would be created in VR but, but it's not like I switch that off and then make the ideas are they're crossing over. So yeah. I feel like I've just I'm just scratching the surface okay. of it. So I don't know. Um I'd like to keep going with it. But I don't know how how or what <laughs> it's gonna do yet. But I think we're all yeah. thinking that because we've realized the technology really needs to be kind of, you know, explored fully. Uh, to really be able mm-hmm. to to sort of to master it is what I'm trying to say. 
Yeah. And for yourself, Chris, as you found that kind of crossover of actually kind of like in influencing like your development and practice. Uh, yeah, uh, that had a big thing to do with me signing up for the project. Like I wanted to bring the VR stuff into reality and bring it back into the digital space and see what it looked like, see what got lost, you know, the kind of ghosts in the machine kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and uh, um, it, it's a really big learning curve um to to do that uh, i think uh, a couple of us did take virtual objects into the real and and it wasn't a necessity of the project it was just one of the briefs that you kind of set yourself and and so i kind of went for it and, and um figured out how to do it which is really difficult and, and then yeah. um so I, I can see myself using it uh, in the future. Again, there, there are some reservations, um, but um, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing tool. Cool. As an ideas generator, I think that's what was so exciting about it because it just brought so many, repeating myself, ideas. You know, you work with, you, you you work with things like scale, composition, you know, all the time, but all of a sudden those words meant different things. Things mm-hmm. like distortion, when you're distorting things, you're like, yes, look at that move. Just the ways that it can move and groove. And then things like distortion, what's the other ones? Um, uh, yeah, j- j- just your kind of common words that you work with all the time. Mm-hmm. They moved differently in that space and enabled you to look at those guide words, if you want to call them, um, differently. And so they pulled your brain into different places. And so, like as Alvin said, then if you take them back out of that space, uh, then you could work again with them in the real world, as Chris was saying, yeah. put them back into the space. Again, move to, uh, you know, a perspective. That was one thing that I thought, you know, we're, well, I'm always trying to look for different perspectives to look at something holistically. And all of a sudden, you know what, you can walk around this thing, you know, at fronts and backs, like in textiles. The front of a textile is the back of a textile. Knitters have both a front and a back. I'm oh, sorry, have a front and maybe not so much the back sometimes. Weavers have a front of a textile in the back of a textile. But here, both sides, as you were making it, were equally important. You couldn't hide behind something because you could see everything. There were no secrets. It was exciting. Yeah. Okay. And for one, you know, obviously it sounds like a very kind of interesting kind of time you've all had using this kind of technology. What would you say are some of the, kind of the, big and the biggest challenges when you first started using the kind of Oculus like VR technology? Maybe the coordination, like uh, uh, the 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 handsets are very sensitive. They've got analog um, dials on them and stuff. And I, when I first started drawing stuff, or a lot of us played uh, VR games to kind of get the coordination uh, uh, up in. And I was just bashing around the place because I didn't have any control. It's yeah. like giving 
giving an old person an Xbox controller, they're not going to have any idea what to do with it. And, and so gradually you could start to calibrate how hard you moved and stuff like that. But, but that was a really big thing, just to get a little bit of grace in the space instead of just blocking stuff out as quickly as possible. And for yourself, Aubin? Just kind of like almost like making myself like do it, you know, sort of thing as well. Because once I felt like once I was in there, I could spend hours in there. But because it's like entering into a different kind of like place, it's kind of like, you know, you have to, I felt like I had to psych myself up for it sometimes, which was kind of weird because it's not like I didn't like it. I loved it when I was actually in there. But it was like, you know, that whole kind of putting the thing on my head. You know, sometimes I have to really say, right, do it, just do it. And then once I was there, you know, time could be moving, you know, slower or faster. I had no idea. So actually just making myself do it um, was because usually if you're sitting making, it's just instinctive and natural to just go and I'm going to go and sit and do some making. Whereas in this, you were kind of having to, you knew you were going to have to learn stuff. And sometimes yeah. I think when you've been, when you're experienced in your own field, you kind of like go, but I don't want to feel like I can't do it, you know? So you almost have yeah. to make yourself do it. Yeah, I guess as well, it's kind of like that thing, like you kind of just reflected on, like when you've been creating for so long and you're very much in control, I guess my kind of transition was doing stuff online. I very much missed doing that in-person thing of physical space and speaking to someone and, you know, um, face-to-face. But I guess it's like, you know, it's been a whole, like, now we've reflected, say, that two years being in a, in a pandemic where we've all learned new skills and new ways of kind of working. But, you know, in saying that, do you feel like this is the kind of technology that is actually here to stay and actually is really kind of useful? Would you advocate this for other practitioners in like the in the field of like craft and making? I think so. I think it's it's here to stay and whatever, you know, it might change the guys that it's in. And I think a lot of people are gonna have headsets um mm-hmm. in the future. And I'm sure the technology will kind of only change and get better and it'll just be a case of putting on you know, a pair of glasses, maybe smaller than these ones that I'm wearing. Yeah. Um, and, but I think, yeah, I mean, it's already been used, you know, for designing products and, you know, there was kind of tutorials that we're watching where there was like cars being designed using wow. it. So I think, you know, in kind of high end products, it's already being used, but whether it's being used in the kind of more artisan and um, sort of specialist crafts, that are traditionally, you know, made by hand, whether that will be a crossover, I don't know. I think there'll always be a slight merge, but I still think that, you know, the whole point of being an artisan craft maker is that you're probably going to always want to make things with your hands. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and for yourself, um, Neela, do you kind of feel like this is something that you'd want to kind of keep on using and practicing with? Yeah, I think. Well, in fact, I've already ordered some. They should be here. They might even be downstairs. Oh, nice one. <laughs> but um, I like working by myself. You know, um, I mean, I live remotely probably for a reason. And so I think that all it's doing, well, it's giving you another playground. It's giving you another space 
within which you can work, you can be on your own, you can be happy, you can work away. And I think it's probably not a good thing to say, but I don't need other people in my life, uh, you know, or, or in my space particularly. And so I think that for me, at least, um, you're asking about difficulties earlier. And I, I mean, for me, it was just so technical that that really was a problem for me. Yeah. And um, I had other limitations during the course of the um, the project, um, which meant I couldn't get to them as often as I would have liked to. But certainly I was limited by my own digital skills and acumen and frustrations and because I'm not natural at all with anything technical. But um, I did feel maybe a little bit unlike um, oh, but I did feel I was still making things when I was in there. I did feel yeah. that there was a relationship, albeit I wasn't touching it physically. Um, I felt that I was making things and I was able to make things and that I was just as excited to see it come out of digital. We took it into another place called Landing Pad, which was a program on the computer so you could see back into two dimensions. I think the fun for me was going into two dimensions into three dimensions and then back and forth pulling it around and seeing what you could do in each dimension and then you know yeah just this kind of back and forth thing it was just a great new toy that um you could work with and you didn't need any well you did need somebody to help you figure out how to work it but when once you were and i stayed in a very simple area of um of the whole project, you know, and very, um, very easy, if you want to call it that, very simple. My outcomes are very, very simple. But I thought a lot about it. Maybe before I did it, I, I, I um, was. It gave me so much more to think about that. I felt that in the design process, I was thinking differently, and you know, conceptually, I was thinking differently. I thought a lot about it, and then I spent less time in it, certainly than I would have liked to, but just because of certain health limitations. But I was always thinking about it, and yeah. for me, that was, you know, that was um, that was as I said, really exciting. Yeah, no, it sounds like obviously you all been on a very kind of like interesting kind of like you know journey, and you know, like Chris, like. What was like out of the whole kind of distance project? What are some of the kind of positives that you that you'll take away from this experience? Well, it it, it kind of introduced me to the whole thing. I like it, I heard kids play games on them. I I heard there, there's a bunch of you can watch 360 YouTube videos and all that kind of stuff. But for me, I wasn't really interested in that side of it, and and maybe. It's a bit strange that Applied Arts Scotland came up with a project and say, hey, we got the latest kit, sign up and go and do whatever you want. And it was like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I I think it's like, what else can this stuff do? And, and, and um, that, that's the big takeaway is, is that, like, it's just an opening of the whole digital realm, the the new digital realm, you know, uh, this immersive experience and all that kind of stuff. So I, I think that's the big one is that it just opens everything up. 
And yeah. I'm really glad uh, that they got the project together, you know. Mm. That, yeah. uh, otherwise, it would be uh, quite a long time, I think, before I, I would have been uh, introduced to a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I think it would be a very kind of long time for me, but I don't know if you guys were aware of obviously like, you know, Facebook and creating like the metaverse, which is because a lot, a lot of this online kind of content where you'll just have shops and everything can online and you have a avatar and stuff like, um, it's, it's, it's kind of gaining more kind of traction. I only heard about this like November last year. So I'm guessing like for you guys, you're probably a bit ahead of me in terms of interacting with VR kind of live ongoing kind of spaces. But it looks like that's going to be the thing in the next kind of few years. And um, even thinking about like, you know, your own kind of practices, like with the, with the experience of Oculus um, VR, would you kind of consider actually, all right, if there was an opportunity to have a little space online, would you consider having like a little shop online? Like a VR one? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's that whole, <laughs> yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I mean, there's people out there that are kind of, I, I was reading that somebody is designing like, you know, sort of clothing specifically for, you know, people who are going to be in the metaverse. Yeah. They can wear them there. And that's just like, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. seems like nuts. Step too far. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. That's a, it's a bit too matrixy for me that, and, yeah. and, you know, I feel like that's not where my, I haven't even thought that far. I still kind of don't think I would spend time in there with other people. And I think the way Neil has been using it is, a, is the way I think the three of us have used it is really kind yeah. of like on our own and just kind of going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, and I think because you are, you could lose yourself in there for a long time in the same way that you yeah. lose yourself in making but not in the same way that you lose yourself as in, it's not like you're losing yourself in a different reality. And, you know, it was more like losing yourself in um, learning a new skill. And that is really something that's exciting. Yeah. It, yes. It obviously sounds like for you all, you kind of take grasp this opportunity and it's actually just on that, on the kind of level of actually I was learning a new skill. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Just following on what Arvin was saying is that it, you, I think we have to be polite, but use it proportionately. It has to be as part, you know, as a for me at least, as a tool, not yeah. as the end game. You know, it's just a tool to get to a place in my own practice. And at the end of the day, I make you know things that are very tactile and that have a uh, a function that is, um, you know, I'm very very keen that that the objects that I make are functional. And um, not saying that something made in VR isn't functional as such, because of course it is, just like anything made um, in a fine art basis still has a function. But for me, at least, I would I like it as a tool or as a. Um, in my project, I was um, endeavouring to document a journey, and in this journey, I was going between, as I called it, the real life, like right now we're talking surreal life, which was the part of the um, journey I was documenting, which was I had been diagnosed um, with cancer just prior to the project. So I was documenting that journey through the diagnosis and treatment and um, the virtual reality. So I had three different realities that I was kind of in a Philip Pullman trying to, way, trying to just traverse 
in and out of, in and out of, in and out of, 3D into 2D, this into that world, that into this world, trying to make sense at the end of the day of the whole journey that I was going through, which was the surreality, continued to go through. So I, I really was using it as a tool to assist me and try to process something which I'd never processed before. So I think that um, if you use it, um, as I say, proportionate, that's maybe not the right word, but as a tool and not as an end game, then um, I think it could be very useful. Yeah. Unless that's your first, you know, your dominant creative practice, which is a different thing. Yeah, no, no, it does. It does sound kind of interesting. Like when, especially you put it in perspective, actually using it as a tool, you know, in terms of actually like enhancing your practice. I guess like with this kind of whole thing for me, it still kind of boggles my mind. It's still very new to me. So I guess it's like I, I probably want to have to kind of actually give this a go and hopefully not get lost like um, for um, hours in it. But um, for you, Chris, it sounds like you know. Um, you gained a lot from this as well, like everyone else, you know, in today's kind of chat. And I guess like what are some of the kind of important for the listeners and what are some of the kind of important takeaways that you would you would say that helped you in your practice um using this kind of technology? Um well um yeah, I, I, I think all three of us used uh, the headset very similarly with it in disparate practices like very 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 different way ways of working very different end objects but we we're using the same hammer right so so it, and and i i think um one of the limitations that i saw with uh um making these objects and, and uh alban kind of Kind of hinted at it before with the scale of her objects that she was making were like as big as a house, and she's a jeweler, you know, and and so that's like ten times, a hundred times as big as like her necklace that she wanted the scale for, and, and so um, I three D printed uh, objects that I made in VR, and um, I had to get them to sit in the real world. Because I went all funky and crazy object and stuff, but it, there's no gravity in VR, right? So you have to print it out and see how it sits on a table, if it sits on a table or if it falls over. And, and so all these, um, I, I think a lot of us um, started pulling on our, our our knowledge that we have as craftspeople and, and a couple of my first objects were just crazy, uh, spindly things that I knew would never become a real object. And then I started to rely on my craftsmanship skills and my um, my my tacit base or whatever you want to call it, and, and know that I'm going to change it here just because I know further down the line it's going to save me a lot of headache. So So... I, I think it, it took a long time for me to start bridging the, that uh, what I know in the real world and because I don't know anything in the VR world, I'm just doing yeah. whatever. And, yeah. but, but bringing in a couple of the tools from the outside world in and saying, don't do that. 
yeah, you can do it like that or yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. No, no, it sounds, no, it sounds like, no, very like um, interesting. I keep saying that. So it sounds so interesting, but it does generally sound very interesting. And it seems like obviously it's a bit of kind of like a trial and error um, for yourself, Chris, from yeah, the absolutely. like augmented reality and actually to the physical space kind of like um, reality. Um, was you all able to kind of connect with other participants um, in the distance project as well when you're connected with the VR? Or have you kind of made those kind of online or f- try to make those physical connections in terms of meeting up with people if you're kind of close by? Well, initially we did like um, go into was it multi brush or tilt brush? Um, yeah, yeah, um, it's kind of a, um, a development lab version of uh, a tilt brush that is like a multi user uh, interface and is kind of a three D drawing program. And, and we all went in there, like the whole team, all the administrators and everything. And kind of shut it down. <laughs> it like crashed. <laughs> it crashed everybody's system because everybody was going nuts. It was very early on in the project and none of us had any idea what was going on. And Steve, I think, just said and kind of virtually shoved us into a room and went, Oh, crazy. And then it just kind of went above the means of the software and the hardware okay it just kind of <laughs> shut everything down so right. so i think the the multi-user spaces are I'm, I'm sure it'll get better but they're very taxing on the on, on the hardware side i think yeah. and, and so as soon as you get lots of lots of content on there or other lots of other people doing stuff then it kind of shuts down a little bit yeah okay just for the listeners, um, it, you know, I'm quite keen for them to kind of follow you individually and kind of check out your work. So, Auburn, where can listeners um, find your work online? Um, I've got my own website, which is aubinjewelry.com, and then sort of part of the journey of this will be documented on my Instagram page, which is aubinjewelry. Okay, brilliant. Thanks, Auburn. And Chris? Uh chrisdonnellyceramics.co.uk um, on Instagram is the same uh, and uh, like like Alpen, I'll, I'm trying to make a private blog of my kind of travels on, on my website so you can see okay. some of that stuff there. Cheers, thank you and Neela? Uh, my website is neelanell.com and I'm I'm on Instagram, I think, and Facebook. I have others doing that for me at the moment. But, um, yes. Okay, brilliant. I'll be sure to put those like links in the episode description as well. So I hope you guys, you know, still kind of keep up with using this kind of technology as well. It sounds like you've all had a very kind of interesting time. And thanks again for coming on, you know, this kind of series of like, episodes in partnership with Applied Art Scotland. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. And so, yeah, I want to thank Auburn, Neela and Chris for getting involved with today's episode. I really appreciate the time taken out to just reflect on their involvement in the Distance Project and hope you guys enjoyed the conversation as well. And yeah, moving forward, got a couple more episodes left in these series of specials in partnership with the Applied Arts Scotland team. I'm really looking forward to kind of sharing with you all. So yeah, also, 
If you're a big fan of the Create Me podcast and you want to support us in any way possible, social media tweets and reshares are definitely kind of much appreciated. And you can also um, support us via Ko-Fi and Big Up The Dean. Um, links to those are in the episode description. So yeah, guys, I'll see you very soon. Take care for now.